This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wondery people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders, past and present, and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to You're In Good Company, a podcast that makes investing accessible for everyone. I'm Maddie and as always, I'm in some very good company with my co-host Sophie. Hi Maddie, we're also even in more company today. We've got our producer Sasha here (laughs) and we've got the lovely Alex from Broke Girl Wealth. Welcome. Hi ladies, so exciting to be here. (laughs) It's exciting that we get to be in person. That's what really excites me. (laughs) So coming up on today's episode, we are going to speak to Alex all about the idea of net worth, why you feel it's important to share it with the community. And we're also going to jump into a little bit of a controversy corner where we unpack some opinions about some finance trends and news at the moment, which I'm personally very excited for. Mm. (laughs) So Alex, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. For someone that hasn't heard about you before or what you're doing, I mean, first of all, definitely go and check out your Instagram. But can you give us some background on what you're, I guess, all about? Yeah. So thank you for letting me come along, ladies. (laughs) So exciting. We've been chatting all morning. I am a lawyer and I started Broke Girl Wealth about a year and a bit ago because I'd been investing for a while and there was a bit of content that was pitched at young people, but it was very American and we don't have like Roth IRA, like what even is that? So (laughs) no one was talking about superannuation. No one was talking about women and investing. And I was like umming and ahhing and being like, oh, it's so sucky that there's no like women talking about finance. And I was like, oh, why don't I start talking about my own journey? And again, I'm like you, I'm still learning, but I just think that there's been such a community and groundswell of women that are like, actually, I do want to secure my future and I do want to learn how to invest. And I think women, like everything we learn by talking about it and sharing and like sharing our successes and our failures, I think it's really important to share that we're not all perfect as well and that finance can be a bit of a learning curve. Where did the name Broke Girl Wealth come from? Such a good question. (laughs) Uh, Well, the idea was that when I was like, 18, 19, I was broke. I was in about $3,000 worth of credit card debt. And the idea was that I slowly figured out how to budget. That was the first step. And then from there, I slowly built my wealth. So broke to wealth. Broke to bougie is kind of the journey. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, Alex, we start every episode with the same few questions. So I'm keen to get into it with you. What is the best thing that's happened to you in the last seven days? So Last week, I posted a TikTok that went uh, a little bit viral. Ooh, and the reason... The goals. I, so, <laughs> yeah, so, so, so hit and miss, right? Um, but the reason it was really exciting was because it was all about the the difficulties homeowners face and like our generation faces becoming homeowners. And it resonated with a lot of people. And I think um, the video is like part of a series about how people can actually get 
into the home market and strategies to get into the housing market that aren't like cut coffee and strip all the joy from your life. Yeah. I think that's really unhelpful <laughs> as a tip. So uh, that was pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. I can imagine if a TikTok went viral for us, that would be the best thing that's yeah. happened all year, not even in a week. <laughs> and if you could have a dinner with anyone, who would it be and why? Oh, guys, I deliberated about this question for such a long time. But I actually genuinely think that I would want to have dinner with Michelle Obama and mm. then I can convince her to run for president. Yeah. <laughs> I can be quite persuasive and annoying when I want to be. <laughs> it's the lawyer in you. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And if you could be a stock or company, who would you be and why? I would love to say that I would be as cool as Arc Invest. Like I would love to be like, oh, I'm that cool. I'm trendy. But I actually think that as a human being, I'm far more of a Berkshire Hathaway. <laughs> That's <laughs> Fair enough. (laughs) So Alex, on your Instagram, I guess one of the areas that you touch on a lot is about your net worth and you kind of Mm -hmm. show your audience your journey of how you're building that up. And we kind of wanted to get into that concept today because we do see it a lot. Can you give us a little brief overview on, you know, what net worth is for an individual and how it's calculated? So your, the idea of net worth is just a metric that you can use to kind of ascertain how your how your overall financial health is and there's lots of different ones but I like net worth because it's really simple all it is is you take every asset you have so your superannuation any personal items that you have like millennials you might have your two and a half thousand dollar beat up Corolla that's an asset (laughs) Um, so you put them all into a pool and then you minus any liabilities like credit cards hex debt you might have afterpay whatever no shame And then you just take assets minus liabilities and the number at the end, whether it's positive or negative, is your net worth. So as an example, $100,000 of assets, 50K of liabilities, you've got a $50,000 net worth. I like it as a metric just because I think we're in such a culture where it's really easy to compare yourself to other people. And you see people on Instagram with like flashy lifestyles. Net worth, I found, was a really good way of me being like, ignore all that noise. I can see that I'm making progress on paying down my home loan and increasing my investments month on month. And it's a nice way to like, okay, I'm better than I was last month or this is how I'm tracking in my journey. Yeah. Rather than being like, oh, I wonder if that person is a millionaire when they could be like swimming and drowning in debt. And what have you found are the benefits of being able to actually, I guess, share that with a broader population? Because I can imagine that it like, I mean, personally, I find it really helpful being able to actually just have that clarity around what other people are doing. It kind of makes me feel less nervous about what I might be missing out on or not knowing. I love sharing it. I just think if we're all far more transparent about our money, we can all learn. And I am by no means have the perfect portfolio or have had the perfect money journey. I'm far more a save a spender than a saver. But it's just a really helpful metric. Um, and I think if we share it, just exactly like what you guys do on the podcast here, we can create a community where it's okay to talk about it. Because I think a lot more of us are probably not in as healthy a financial situation. I certainly wasn't when I started, Mm. but you have to acknowledge that it's bad first. And net worth is kind of a cold, hard number to look at and go, "Mm, maybe not as good as I thought I was doing. And that can be helpful as well. And if we destigmatize it, so there's nothing wrong with having a negative net worth in your early twenties. Mine was zero or minus for a very long Mm. time because my hex was accumulating and I wasn't actually developing any assets or actually earning very much. Uh, so it takes time, but I find that you share it and people are sharing their debt-free journeys. People are sharing their afterpay, you know, closing their afterpay accounts. 
all of that destigmatizes it. And for the people who are like, oh, I just don't want to look at it because it's too scary. It just helps open that conversation up and they can go and get, you know, financial counseling help if they need it, or even just talk to someone about it, about getting that help they need to get out of debt or build their wealth. Yeah, it's so true, right? Like if people, if we're investing and it's like exciting and we're making money off that, like it's really easy for people to be like, oh yeah, it's like on the investing side, I'm making money. But then you don't really talk about that side where, you know, if you're in your early 20s, you don't have a lot of superannuation, you could have hex debt as well. Mm. You might be, I don't know, looking to do other things such as travel instead of buy a house. So like, of course, that's going to be a negative number for a lot of people. So it's kind of good to bring in that other aspect of, I guess, what your wealth is made up of. Mm. But one part, obviously, of your net worth, I keep saying net wealth, sorry, (laughs) (laughs) is your investments. And we are an investing investing podcast. Can you tell us about your, a story of your first investment? Oh, this takes me back. My very (laughs) first investment. And this is like, I'm going to be real with you guys. I was so terrified of investing. And so I was like, okay, what's a number that I feel comfortable losing? And it was $15. And that was the first (laughs) money I put into raise. So I started with a micro investment platform because that felt safe and it felt accessible. And then um, after that, I kind of started putting more money in as I got more comfortable. But yeah, it was raise, which honestly, still around. It was acorns when I invested in it. And you could like do roundup. So it's like add 10 cents to your investing portfolio. And that felt like, wow, I'm a big girl now. (laughs) (laughs) So you did a net worth update last July when Mm. you had the very exciting announcement that you have hit 100K invested. So I guess from your first investment hitting 100K, would love to, I mean, amazing number. Congrats. Would love to sort of get into a little bit about how you got there. Yeah. I think the first thing to say is that it didn't happen overnight. It was probably about six years. Um, Again, I was working part-time and then I was studying and then I was working full-time, but I wasn't earning very much. And uh, it took me a long time. And it it only starts to compound and get easier as the number gets bigger, which is kind of annoying because you're just slogging it. It's just you putting the effort in. The compound interest comes later. But yeah, six years. And to be honest, the the number grew because my income grew. Like I became a lawyer and I was working, um, you know, I got a promotion. So all of those things helped to kind of uh, speed up the road to 100,000. But certainly at the beginning, it was just me and my tiny little net worth tracker, but it was going in the right direction, which was exciting. Yeah. So when you, I guess, kind of did start making a salary, did things become more consistent in terms of your investing? Like, did you have any, do you have any specific strategies even today that you implement to keep that, I guess, figure growing? Yeah. Automation. I cannot sing the praises of automation. If you are neurodivergent, if you are just someone like me who finds it very easy to dip into their savings, I think the number one my number one tip is out of sight, out of mind. So if you can turn on your investments to be automatic, if you can um, salary sacrifice into your superannuation, whatever it is, the less you're doing, the less likely you are to be like, you know what feels really good? A big like boozy weekend instead of putting that money into super. So all of it happens without me looking at it. And then what I'm left with is what I can spend. And I found that so much easier than being like, hmm, invest $200 this week or buy a new outfit. And the outfit would inevitably win, unfortunately. So (laughs) automation really helped. It's hard as well. Like when you see cash sitting in your bank account, it feels like it's money that you're able to spend. And it is much harder to sort of psychologically be like, no, no, no. Like even though it's there, I I need to move it out. You sort of see the money there and you're like, oh, margaritas on a Saturday night. (laughs) Whereas if it's like in an account labeled investing or if it's in an account labeled like car insurance, you're like, if I take it out of there, 
how am I going to pay my car insurance? Certainly the, suddenly the margaritas don't look as exciting. Very true. <laughs> Can you give us some insight into what your share portfolio is looking like currently? And I guess when you are adding things to it now, like what's, can you talk us through the, de- the decision-making process behind what you're deciding to invest in? Oh, I love talking about this. I want everyone to share what they're investing in. So I'm predominantly an ETF investor. I just like, again, the set and forget of it. I would say about 80% of my portfolio is in global. So probably 80% of my portfolio is in ETFs. And of that, it's probably like a 30, 30, 40 it's probably a bit more in the Australian stock exchange, uh, stock market, but I would like it to be 80% of my portfolio ETFs, 30% um, global, 30% American, and 30% Australian. I think I like the franking credit aspect of Australian shares. Uh, and then the rest of it is single stocks. And that's a combination of listed investment companies, but I also have Square, what well, used to be Afterpay, it's now Square. Uh, I have a couple of what I call my sustainability punt stocks, which is like, I feel nice. like they're my, I'd love this company to do well. And that includes things like there's a company that makes uh, solar panel glass in Perth and Ooh. a company called Calix. So 20% is in single stocks. We always get asked by people when, you know, you are kind of investing in those satellite companies. Mm. How do you, find those opportunities like is it through reading the paper listening to Mm. podcasts like what's your strategy for finding things that are kind of outside that ETF range plagiarism (laughs) (laughs) I stalk fund managers and I look at what they're adding and removing from their portfolios because they have a whole team of analysts and as much research you can do you're never going to be a McKinsey analyst sitting in a room with a whole bunch of people who have all the goss and all the insight. So um, I do that. I uh, have a look at, you know, Morningstar and other companies will do recommendations. But again, because I mostly do ETFs for me, that's the, um, that's sort of the automated side. And then when I'm feeling particularly like, again, my sustainability punt stocks and I'm like, I would really love this company to be the next Apple, like the climate change Apple. Uh, I'll sort of figure out, you know, do other people think it's a buy, but yeah, ultimately plagiarism. I completely plagiarize smarter people than me. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think the biggest game changer <laughs> for me was when I realized Kathy would like list everything that Ark's mm-hmm. investing yeah. in. And I was like, oh my gosh. This like, is a watch list. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just slowly start ticking them off as I add them into my portfolio. <laughs> yeah. I think we could talk about Kathy Wood all day. So I think this is the perfect moment to take a break for our sponsors. <laughs> <Cut me off. laughs> and we will be right back to head to our controversy corner. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. 
That's BlueNile.com. So, Alex, one of our favorite things that you kind of post on your Instagram is like when you have little rants about. I love my rants. <laughs> I love your rants as well. It's like where I get all my information Aww. from. <laughs> So, but we thought because you know there is so much happening in the news at the moment, all about finance. There's just daily stories. We thought, why not bring a bit of controversy into the studio mm. and debunk some of the finance news or finance trends that are happening at the moment? So we're going to start off simple. I mean, a little bit topical from the conversation thus far. <laughs> Warren Buffett investing style, be Kathy Wood investing style. Mm. I think this is like the perennial. I feel like people will come down on both sides of the fence when they like. This is this is my side of the fence yeah. <laughs> and don't you dare like this is the best side. I this is going to be really annoying. I'm probably a bit of a fence sitter. Yeah. I like <laughs> the fact that Kathy has come in with this very fresh thesis. She has a really fresh approach and I think a lot of the companies that she's invested in, she sees a long-term future for. I think her approach I see as like encouraging investment in innovation. So mm. I think they are a little bit of a riskier um, and she says that herself, like if you look at, you know, financial disclosure statements for her um, ARK Invest or print or 3D, whatever, there's certainly more companies that she sees with, you know, the Apple of the future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Warren Buffett has been a long term, he's like a, a legend in the industry. And his thesis is, you know, good value companies. Mm-hmm. And both of those approaches have their place. I think, you know, Berkshire Hathaway has had a phenomenal year now that we're experiencing interest rate um, fluctuations and sort of market risk because he invests in a lot of companies that are like the things you can't live without. You mm-hmm. can't live without water and utilities. Whereas Kathy is looking at, well, what's Tesla going to look like in 10 years? And then that's what she's basing her Uh, investments on so I think there's a lot to learn from both of them actually about how to structure your overall portfolio especially as young people because we're going to be here for whatever Tesla ends up doing in 30 years time I mean it's kind of just the classic like growth v value argument isn't it and I think the best thing about because Soph and I have this discussion a lot and I think the best thing about our situation as young investors is we can do both like yeah you can have your ETFs and things like that that are your big companies that follow indexes and you can Mm. get exposure to all those value companies and then you can also go through Kathy Wood's ETFs and tick off those and add them to your portfolio as well yeah and we've got the the long-term investment horizon you can kind of weather it and see who comes Mm. out trumps yeah well i actually read an article about it saying they were saying that they thought that you know a lot of the arc etfs would do a lot worse but a lot of young investors are sticking to it because they're like well cool there's a dip now but like i'm here for the long term so they're like yeah other investors have been surprised (laughs) yeah they're like why haven't they ditched her yet imagine young people not being prone to impulsivity (laughs) (laughs) next one uh pretty topical still i mean it's been quite controversial for a few years now buy now pay later and then I guess like Square acquiring Afterpay, I would mm. like like to talk about it in this context because Square is a very up and coming, like impressive player in the financial services space. And I think it's interesting that given some of the controversy that Afterpay has bought, especially in the Australian market, they obviously see long-term potential in it. Mm. It's really interesting to see. I mean, I think everyone and their dog has a buy now, pay later product now. Mm. And... I mean, full disclosure, I own Afterpay shares. I would love to see more regulation in that space. It really feels like buy now, pay later is the credit card of the 80s. It's like P 
people are just advertising it disingenuously. It's you're supposed to be buying pub meals with Afterpay now. Like it's becoming a bit ridiculous. And you can really see that the the terrible side of it is that young people in particular, especially young women actually, who are if you read Afterpay's investor disclosures, their target their target consumer is an eighteen to twenty four year old woman who. Um, is struggling with her money because otherwise why would you use Afterpay uh, to, as a form of budgeting tool, I suppose. And it's fine when it's used responsibility as all credit is. Like if you're responsible with your credit cards and your debt, great, good for you. It's a great way to leverage wealth. But where I really find the Afterpay um, situation and the Combank step pay or whatever it's called, paying for, and I think PayPal has one now, is that there is a potential that the marketing and the product itself is preying on people who are vulnerable. And mm. that's what I find really icky. And it's so interesting. We were just talking about our net worth discussion before. Mm. We were saying people in their early 20s, that's the likelihood of, you know, that time you're going to be having the most debt because you do have your hex and you might be, yeah. as we said, traveling or whatever else. So it's just, I guess it's really upsetting to see that their target demographic is that type of person mm. who will definitely be struggling the most that is likely not on a full-time salary. And they're also, the interesting thing is both Klarna and Afterpay report that consumers are more likely to spend more when they use their services because I think the upfront payment is low and it sort of psychologically lures you into, mm. oh, I can afford this. And again, there's nothing wrong when it's used responsibility. It's responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> responsibility. But I would love to see these brands uh take more of an active role in regulating their products to prevent consumers because it is debt they, you, know, you don't have credit checks so you can have buy now pay later with every single provider and that's dangerous for people um, who are vulnerable because you know I, I remember going to the grocery store during COVID and our teller was like uh, like talking to the lady in front of us about her afterpay because she was using afterpay to purchase her groceries and Clearly, this is the difference for people between being able to eat and not being able to eat. And so I think debt has an important role to play where, unfortunately, government is a little bit slow, but it has to be regulated and it has to be safe for consumers. It'll be interesting to see where regulation does go with this stuff because there is a lot of regulation in the banking system, especially mm. around credit cards. Not everyone can just get a credit card. So it will be really interesting to see, especially because it's so global now, yeah. how governments around the world are going to react yeah react mm. to this it's pretty surprising that it hasn't happened yet to be honest like mm. by now pay has been around for a while now yeah big corporations have yeah. a bit of influence Got a bit of influence <laughs> yeah yeah so our next controversy which i'm actually really excited to ask about is nfts <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts around this and i mean we haven't even done an episode on nfts and we definitely are going to because i think it's such an interesting space do you want to give a bit of background on what your thoughts are of what NFTs are firstly and then? Yeah. Well, I'm going to say before I start, I pride myself on Instagram that my controversy corners, I try to be as open-minded as possible. So I think you have to get someone in that is pro mm. NFTs as well, because I'll start this by saying that, <laughs> okay, what's an NFT? All right. So the first thing you need to understand is things that are fungible. And I don't know why they use this term. I fungible. think they made it. They literally, I think they pick sometimes terms that they think sound more technical and like smart than they are. Fungible <laughs> just means I can give you, I can have one and you can have one. And if we swapped, we wouldn't care. So if you had a $1 coin yeah. and I had a $1 coin, they're both Australian dollars and we just switched them, you wouldn't care because they're the same thing. Yeah. But things that aren't fungible are like 
a piece of art or something where the rarity or the uniqueness of the product means that you couldn't swap them out. Yeah. So the idea of NFTs is let's create a digital version of something that's unique. And the technology is that when you purchase an NFT, that ownership of the NFT is recorded on uh, the Ethereum blockchain, essentially. And you now have digital verification that you own something. And I thought that the technology behind NFTs is pretty awesome Mm -hmm. because suddenly, you know, we all transact online. You want businesses want to know that what they're buying is real. And in the in the um, supply chain, for example, authenticity is really important. So you want to know that this bag was created by, let's say, Louis Vuitton. And that it was, you know, number five of this collection. So in that respect, NFTs make a lot of sense. And certainly the luxury brands are bringing out NFT-esque products to give you that digital ownership. Where I just cannot understand is gorillas with cigars. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, no, 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 I'm going to flip it. So the whole investment thesis of some of these NFTs is, oh, I'll flip it for a profit. And where I wonder or where I feel really uncomfortable is who is left holding the bag. So you flip it for five, the next person flips it for 10, the next person for 15. Who is left owning a $40,000 GIF (laughs) that I can screenshot? So for some background, if you have no idea what we just started talking about there, there's basically, it's like this NFT, these NFTs that have kind of gone viral that are, it's like a a GIF, a GIF. (laughs) It's called the Bored Ape Yacht Club. And he sells. That makes perfect sense. And yeah, (laughs) explain it all now. (laughs) And it's just photos of monkeys in different outfits that Mm. look like sailors almost, but they go for like millions Mm. of dollars, which is insane. But on the flip side of, I understand completely what you're saying, but Maddie and I have had conversations about NFTs before. And my, when I come down to it, I always think, so the technology behind it is something that I, is very valuable, but I'm like, why do you buy a piece of art? You buy Mm. a piece of art because of the artist. And that's where the, where it holds its value. Mm. At the end of the day, you can go into like an art studio or an art gallery and there can literally be a circle on a wall, like a black dot, Mm. and it'll be worth $40,000 because of who painted it. Mm. So is that the same kind of, I guess, understanding with NFTs that you're buying something because of who's created it? Mm. Like that's where the value lies. Yeah, potentially. I think there's been some interesting stories coming out about people that have been converting actual original art, stealing original art from, let's say, DeviantArt or other online um, platforms from artists, converting them into NFTs and flipping it, essentially. Mm. So stealing. And so you wonder, well, it's online. NFTs are supposed to be this perfect uh, authenticity card, and yet they're actually just being used for copyright theft. So on that respect, yes, the uniqueness of the art, if you are, have an interest in that artist, great. And then there's definitely been some charities as well that have been using it as a, a form of fundraising. So again, it has its utilities, but there are definitely projects that I think are just pure scams. And that's, you've got to be, you've got to be discerning. Some of them are like early stage games. So the software developers are using the NFTs as a way of crowdfunding and the games go nowhere. The project ceases to exist. You're left with a monkey with a cigar which you know it's That's a great worth, twitter avatar worth, it cost you 24 million dollars yeah. and now it's worth zero dollars <laughs> <laughs> very very interesting well stay tuned for our upcoming not sure when but upcoming we might need to get you on for yeah. the nft episode <laughs> <laughs> so maybe alex nft is not an area that you are investing in just yet 
always 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 room for movement in the future exactly but we do love to find out what you are interested in at the moment so each episode we have been asking our guests to add a stock company news trend or even industry to our watch list and the purpose of this is really to get us thinking outside the box and broaden Mm. our horizons in the investing space of course we are not financial advisors Mm. and it's purely for educational purposes but what are you bringing to the watch list today? Oh, I'm going to bring... So I talked about sustainability punts, right? So this might... You're going to be like, Alex, why are you investing in this company? Full disclosure, I actually own this stock. Uh, but I'm bringing them to the watch list because I think they, they're they going to provide an interesting discussion. Okay. I invest in Fortescue Metals, Ooh. a mining company. And the reason I have... A, I'm a bit bullish. I hate that word. But the reason I'm passionate about this stock is it's all, I suppose my theory is it's all well and good for us to support companies that are creating climate or carbon neutral tech. But what about everything else? What about the you know ASX 10, which is just full of banks who invest in fossil fuel projects and equally mining companies like BHP Billiton? Like if we don't get them on board the climate train, we're kind of doomed because they're the ones contributing most significantly to climate change. Fortescue Metals is headed up by CEO Twiggy and at the... Old mate. Old mate, old mate Twiggy. (laughs) And his proposition at the recent climate conference was he wants to invest and find solutions for green, what they call green and blue hydrogen. So like varying levels of climate positive hydrogen. And I suppose my thesis on Fortescue was I want to see and I want to support companies that are being realistic about how we're going to get to net zero. Um, I love companies that are carbon neutral, but I think there's a lot of greenwashing in the space as well. You know, Apple says they're you know carbon neutral, but their supply chain is dirty. Mm. So, and just because they wash their hands of that side of it, you know, they're not the ones mining lithium for their chipboards and their computers doesn't mean that they're actually carbon neutral. So I'm really keen to see your sort of like dirty miners doing good for the environment and figuring out how they can be better, you know, carbon capture, carbon mitigation, and whether you support it or not has to be something that's aligned to your values. But I would love to see those companies be pushed by their investors and by, you know, super funds. You need to get your act together and you need to do it fast. We need to see a plan now. We, Transition story. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say we had on our sustainability app with um, Kate Temby, I think in like our first season, and she was saying she added to the watch list or maybe it was a part of the conversation that what she watches for is big behemoth companies that already exist that are changing their ways because that is just as valuable as a new sustainability startup that's coming through and trying to make an impact because you've already got these huge companies Mm. that have so much impact so actually them changing their ways is probably going to be better than you know finding something that might flop at the end of the day. Mm. They've got the much harder transition but that's the more impactful one because they're already contributing so much to emissions on Mm. a per capita basis. So, Alex, before we get to our final question, if people want to find out more about you, follow your journey, where can they hit you up? Well, if you want more Controversy Corner. <laughs> <laughs> Might do another yeah. episode. Oh, I'm my God. I love this. that. <laughs> um, what, a pl- what, a, what a delight. What a privilege that would be. <laughs> I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Broke Girl Wealth. Yeah. You can find my <laughs> the more rantier rants are on TikTok these days. <laughs> love it. And 
If you had one piece of advice for someone who's listening that's starting out on their investment journey mm. or in the middle of their investment journey, wherever they are, what would that advice be? I have really been exploring the idea of being the circuit breaker in your community. I come from a family, you know, they worked really hard. My grandparents were um, migrants and sort of slowly built their wealth. But investing in the stock market was, that was terrifying. They saw that as gambling. And I realized that no one was going to teach me how to invest. So I had to teach myself and that can be really scary, but I think there's such an opportunity, not just to start the conversation and help your own finances, but I have found that, yeah, it was essentially a circuit breaker. My friends now regularly message me and go, oh, I'm investing or can you help me set up an account? And it has such a ripple effect. And I think about those small, even if it's like $50, it doesn't matter. Start small and then spread your community, your success will inevitably spread to your community. And that's what we want to say. I love that. That's such a nice piece of advice. (laughs) Spreading the love. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that is a beautiful point to end today's episode. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I had a pleasure. I think round two with controversy corner. At some point. (laughs) Anytime. Anytime. (laughs) Thanks, Alex. What a joy that chat was. As always, if you're finding us on social media, head over to our Instagram at YIGC Podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on our controversy corner. Jump into the Facebook group at YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group and we will continue the conversation there. And of course, TikTok. Please support us on TikTok. (laughs) We're trying. Also at YIGC Podcast. And we will catch you next week. Bye. Your In Good Company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Your In Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.